All right. Then the mother of the Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. And she said, grant me that each of these two sons of mine uh, may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink? Oh, we can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom uh, have been prepared of my father. When the ten had heard about this, they were indignant. And the two brothers, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the other rulers and the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high uh, officials exercise authority over them. And yet not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And again, that is Matthew chapter 20. That's what we're going to be looking at in our sermon today by inviting you now to pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we come before you in this new year, um, you know, excited, uh, maybe scared, uh, Lord, but we know you're still here. And we know we're still here, and we've been a lot of the problem of the last year. And so it's the same folks who are coming to this one. And yet, Lord, we know that you specialize in taking uh, broken people, uh, broken rhythms, and doing something new with them. And so we pray that as we engage you in your word today, we see things from your perspective. We say it's all in your son's precious name. Amen. So, it's New Year's which means we have all of the resolutions, right? I know I was looking at, in preparation for this sermon, resolutions I had made last year's, goals that I had set out for myself, that I had set out for Erica and I as a family, goals I had set out for myself as a pastor. And I was looking through of those, and like most of us, some of them I hit, some of them I achieved, and others of them I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's going to go back on again. Kind of got me wondering, what were some of the big goals that we see not just individually, but like across the United States. Started doing some research on the top 10 different goals that were out there as far as what people make. And they made sense. A lot of them were like, oh yeah, that, that, that tracks. Remember number 10 was they wanted to get better in their romantic life. Right? And I think all of us, even those, especially those of us who are married, should want to get better at our romantic life. Certainly with our spouses, and I'll be really clear about that, right? But to still, to, to still date, to still fall deeper in love with that person that God has brought into our lives. Another big one was reading. Ellen DeKinga, if you're online right now, I thought of you about reading more books. Some people wanted to get more financially stable. They wanted to either pay off debt or save more money or get a better job that either fulfilled them more or paid them more. But as I was going through all of them, something really clicked me with those top 10. Uh, I think I need you to click on the slides. There we go. With how all of them and how many of them were about themselves. Making ourselves better. Putting ourselves in a better position physically, emotionally, financially for the coming year. And there's nothing wrong with trying to better yourself. 
So don't hear me. That's part of what God has given us as a resource. And yet when we look at it purely through the lens of how do I become better? How do I get more? We're, we're missing a picture of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be. Because Jesus set some goals when he came down here. He set some goals for himself. But the beautiful thing about the goals Jesus set was, and I'm going to come down and build a physical kingdom where everyone just shows up and gives me my due. Instead, his goals were all outward focused. They were built around the idea that God wanted him to be a blessing. And that through him, he could bless the whole world and create a people who specialized in blessing the whole world. And so as we start in this new year, that, that, that reality, that truth, has really taken hold of me. So much so that this first sermon series that we're going to go through is going to be called, Why Jesus? For me, that's always been the question. Because right? we, we can talk about, as a church, a lot of different things. But if you don't understand, if we don't know, why is Jesus better than what the world can offer us? If we don't know the answer to that, everything else is immaterial. In fact, as we talk to our neighbors, our family, who may not know Christ or may not be following Christ, that's the real question. That sometimes as Christians, we don't ask or we don't know fully the answer to. And the answer is because Jesus is better. And he's better than everything. He's better than what the world can offer us financially. He's better than the identity the world can offer us. And he's better than our dreams and our plans going into 2022. And that, that's really what this gospel reading is about today. So we're going to go through and unpack what that looks like and what Jesus was offering to his disciples, where the gap was, and what it ultimately means for us as his kids. So again, back into the gospel. Then the mother of the Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said to him, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. I know we've got some teachers in the room right now. You guys all have experienced helicopter parents, right? That when their kids don't get the grade that they want, that when there was an issue at school, they swoop in immediately, right? And they advocate for their kids. And don't get me wrong, parents, you should advocate for your children. So I'm not, I'm not arguing that. And yet, this idea that parents who put undue pressure on their kids or on the people around their kids, this is nothing new. That is what's happening here. I do kind of think it's funny because you know that the sons of De Zebedee, they wanted those positions, but they didn't want to be the ones to ask, and so they send their mom to do it. And this is just, I mean, to me, again, I snicker every time I see this. I'm like, this, this whole situation is just laughable, right? But for the mom to be like, okay, I want my kids to get that good, that good spot on the team, right? C can my son be the quarterback and the other one be the, the star wide receiver? The star running back? Can, can, my, can my son's 
get the best spot in the play? Did they get that A? I think they really deserve Did you really grade that paper right? right? It's starting from this mentality of looking at ourselves. That's what they're asking. To sit at the right and on the left at a kingdom is to say, can you give my children positions of honor above everyone else? That's really what she's asking. That, that's the point that she's trying to make. That's the setup of this story is, hey, can, can we get our due? Right? And go figure, this doesn't go the way they were expecting. Jesus' response is, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink from the cup I'm going to drink? Oh, well, we can, they answered. You see, the disciples thought they knew what type of kingdom Jesus was going to bring. They thought they understood what type of king he was going to be. A king with power. A king with authority. A king who was going to play by the world's rules. But he was just going to win. And man, we all want to be on the side that wins, don't we? In whatever tribe we're talking about, in whatever part of the world we're talking about, we want to be the ones who win at our job. We want to make sure we get that bonus. We want to make sure we get that respect. We want to be the ones who win at school or our kids winning at school, right? We want that star position. And so the disciples, they see Jesus. They see all the miracles he's doing, all the power he has. He can calm the storms. He can raise the dead. This dude has serious juice. And they're like, we, we want to be a part of that. We want to share in that victory. And so they thought they understood what type of king what type of role Jesus was going to have. They were looking at resolutions of how do I get more, and they thought that's what Jesus was going to be about. But what we see in the Gospels is that is not the type of God, Messiah, that we have. Scripture goes on. You will indeed drink from my cup, Jesus says, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom the Lord has prepared by my Father. He says, you actually are going to drink of it, but you don't know what you're asking yet. All of his disciples were persecuted. All, most of them died for their faith. Most of them were what we call martyrs, someone who was literally executed for following Christ and trying to help other people know about the God that loved them and cared for them and died for them. There is an entire Christian industry designed to tell you this is how you get your best life now. This is how you use those spiritual gifts to enhance your personal kingdom. And what you see in scripture is that is not the Christ that we have. That is not his agenda. That God's definition of your best life is not your definition of your best life. Because God's definition of your best life is to be of service, is to be of love, is to model and reflect the God that we have. 
And that doesn't mean that he's just going to throw persecution at you for persecution's sake. He's not going to just screw with you to hurt you or to harm you. But instead, his vision, his kingdom is so much larger than what we in our little worldly eyes can think of. And we miss out. And his disciples at that moment were missing out. And the good news is that Jesus doesn't look at him and be like, guys, you've been with me for three years. How do you not get this yet? I'm done with you. Right? He doesn't say that. He's like, no, 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 you'll get it eventually. And until you get it, I'm going to keep walking with you. I'm going to keep challenging you. I'm going to keep loving you. Story then goes, Now, when the other ten, so the other ten disciples heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Yeah, that's going to happen, right? Have you ever done that at work where, like, you know there's a position and you want that promotion? And so you're trying to figure out, like, okay, what's the right time for me to angle for this sucker? Right? To get ahead of the line? That's what the other disciples are doing. And so they heard about this, and now they're upset, and they're like, wait a second, this is what we're supposed to be doing? All right, it's game on now. No, no, no. We want those positions. We want it to all be about us, right? And so this whole thing blows up because it's a bunch of people who want their due, who are looking at how do I get what I want? And Jesus' response to them was to reemphasize what type of kingdom he was going to bring. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them. And that the high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. I mean, we get this, right? This is our world. We want to climb that ladder as fast as we can. We want to be the manager or the CEO. We want to be the senior pastor. Right? This is essentially that giant king of the hill. Did you guys ever play that growing up? It's a horrible game. It really is, right? The whole point of King of the Hill is there could be one person on top of the hill. And what do you do? You literally throw people down, climb over them to get there. That's how the world works. There can only be one person at the top. And Jesus says, you know how the world works, but not so with you Not so with your faith. And y'all, this is a huge temptation for all of us. To play by the world's rules. And this isn't to say that trying to become a manager, trying to better yourself is bad. No, Jesus uses those gifts, those places, those resources to be leveraged for his kingdom. In fact, the early church grew in part because people of authority became believers and then invested in the kingdom. And yet it was never about that. When it becomes climbing for climbing's sake, by the world's rules, we always end up in the wrong spot. Because here's the deal, guys, it's never enough. It will never be enough. There will always be some other mountain to climb. Or, even if you do get there, you know what happens? Then you have to defend it. When you're playing king of the hill, even when you're winning, what are you worried about? Someone else tearing you down. 
And so everyone else becomes your adversary, your enemy. And Jesus says, guys, that's not my kingdom. That's not why I came. And that's not why I'm asking of you. Scripture goes on. Instead, Jesus says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. The kingdom of God is literally the upside-down kingdom. It's the antithesis to king of the hill. Right? If you think about the pyramid of success, Jesus literally flips it on its head. And he puts himself at the base. And he says, and I'm going to serve all of you guys. Literally the whole world he pours his life out for. He loves and he cares for. And he says, everything I have, I am giving for you. I'm going to leverage all of me for the good of the world. And he pours that into us and he goes, now guys, I want you to take what I have given you and to leverage that for the good of the world. And I want you to pour the resources, the time, the gifts, the talents. And I want you to pour that out to love your neighbor as yourself. And y'all, this is so countercultural. To live in a way that isn't the game of, well, I loved you, so you love me back. Because right? that's, that's the world's definition of love. Yeah, love is great as long as it's a circular motion where it'll get poured back into you. And the cool thing about God's love is that happens naturally. That's what goes on, but that's not why we do it. And it's certainly not why Jesus comes for us and how he comes for us. Instead, it is a sacrificial love that even when we don't love him, he's still pouring himself out for us. Even when we are like little kids sometimes, and we're angry and we're frustrated and we are running as far from God as possible, when I'm having a temper tantrum, do you guys ever have that with little kids where they're just so frustrated, they're so angry, and they're just, there's so much emotions that they, they literally just start hitting you? And then, and then you see a parent still wrap their arms around their child and hug them and love them. That's how Jesus is with us. It's the sacrificial love. It's why he goes on and he finishes. He says, just as the Son of Man, the Messiah, the King, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says, guys, I'm modeling this for you. I want you to see what it looks like to be a servant king. And to be great in my kingdom means to be a servant, means to pour out your life, means to use the resources that God has given us to be about what he's about. It's why his entire ministry starts. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, right, his first big sermon, he's setting up the stage for what kind of kingdom he's going to bring. It's the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes don't go like you would expect. The way to be blessed, he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, but that's not blessings. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness and right relationships. 
Like, none of this makes sense in the world's view. Those are all things to be looked down on, to shun, to avoid. And Jesus says, and yet this is my kingdom. This is how we are going to do life differently. And you will be blessed through this. And you will inherit God's kingdom, God's love, what God is about. As we start this new year, The challenge for each of us, the challenge for me, challenge for you, is to look through it through a lens of how can I use this year to be a blessing to others? Then any situation I show up in, the world gets a little bit better. The world gets to see a literal reflection of Jesus in the present. One of the challenges that I personally face and that I've seen a lot of Christians face is that when we set goals, we set goals at the idea of, well, I'm doing this now so one day I can be better at loving people. I'm saving money now so one day I can really be generous. I'm working really hard now so one day I can volunteer. I'm doing this now so that Something in the future, I can be a better person or I can be more of service. The reality is none of us are guaranteed anything but today. That's it. January 2nd, 2022, that is what we've been guaranteed by God, this moment. And so to say, I want to be a blessing now. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't save. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be intentional and realize that, yes, the future's probably going to come and we should plan for that. Amen. Good. But when we sacrifice the present for the sake of a potential future, we are missing out what God is trying to do and help us be a blessing in this moment. That when you go into a classroom, God wants you to be a blessing. If you're a student, And you see someone who's down, who's having a hard time, he wants you to be present there with them. He wants you to be there to hear them. If you're a teacher, he wants you to use that time to be able to bring out the best in them, to equip them for the future. When you're at your job, he wants you to be a blessing in that moment. In your families, with your kids, with your neighbors, even the one who mows his lawn too early in the morning. God wants you to be a blessing in this present moment. And so as we head into 2022, as we start off thinking through, why do we want this year to be different than last? What does it look like for 2022 to be better than 2021? Certainly 2020. The goal from a kingdom's mind is to believe that Jesus is actually better than our own personal dreams and goals. And instead, to say, how can I be a blessing? How can I invest in the kingdom in this present moment? Who has God brought into my life right here, right now, via text message, via walking around the block, seeing them on social media, seeing them in a classroom, wherever it is, how do I be a blessing in this moment? How do I reflect Jesus in this moment? How do I help them see that there is a God who loves them? And how do I live that out in a way that begs the question, well, why are you doing this? And the answer is, because of Jesus. Because he poured himself out for me, I want to pour myself out for you. 
And those are the type of resolutions that pay dividends, not just for this year, not just for our earthly kingdom, but the good news is they pay dividends into eternity. And that is an investment I can get behind. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, um, we confess that there are a lot of dreams and plans that are about our own kingdoms. Lord, that like the apostles, uh, we, we can want places of power and authority because we're acting out of worldly desires, worldly pleasures, Lord, and then that distorts our thinking, it distorts our actions, and we don't treat people the way we're supposed to. We, we don't remember who you are. We don't give you the thanks that you deserve for being a God who serves. Lord, and so we confess that sin, that brokenness, but Lord, we are bold to confess because you are a God who even as his apostles were screwing it up, <laughs> you were like, I still want you to be a part of my kingdom. I still want you to be a part of my plan. I will still die for you. I will still live for you. And I will still send you out forgiven and loved. Lord God, and we pray that out of that identity as your children, Lord, that we are better able to love and have an outward focus of who you've called us to be. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen.